In this episode, I'll be talking to Avon Grove High School principal, Scott Deshaun. Mr. Deshaun will talk about his background and what brought him to Avon Grove, who he spends time with to keep, to keep himself motivated, what he does in his free time, and his routines that make him a great leader. Enjoy. Hey, Mr. Deshaun, how you doing? Great, Ben. How are you today? Good, good. So we're coming towards this, the end of the 2018 school year. I'm graduating and moving on to the next year, next class of seniors. But uh, I want to ask you about your background because you've obviously seen a lot of classes come through, not only your time at Avangrove, which hasn't been very long, but you were also uh, at Happy Valley. In, right, in State Happy College. Valley, at mm-hmm. State College High mm-hmm. School. So... What is your background and what brought you to AG? So um, I've worked in schools for, for 25 years now. And I started off as a, as a guidance counselor and worked in an elementary school for a while and then started in high school stuff. Worked with um, challenging group of kids for a while who were kicked out of school. They weren't allowed to go to the public school for, for whatever reason. Um, and did a lot of coaching. Coached uh, boys and girls basketball. Um, ninth grade, junior high, varsity, that kind of stuff, and uh, which led me to get into school administration. You know, I, I really like the, the team experience and um, bringing people together around a common goal. So it was kind of a natural leap to get into school administration. I was a, an assistant middle school principal for a couple of years. I was an elementary principal for a couple of years. And this is actually uh, will be the end of my sixth year as a high school principal, but only my third year here at Avangrove. So I want to get back to something you mentioned, which is a challenging group of kids. And I think we have a good group of kids here at Avon Grove, and I'm sure at State College High School, they're they're it's a good similar. they're a good group. Um, but but what do you learn from teaching a challenging group? You know, that's a big learning curve, and you know, sometimes a sigh of relief when you get to a nice school and you're like, oh, I don't have to deal with fights or something like that. And and it's it's a lot different the demographics that you are posed with, but. Can you explain to me, you know, what what differences you see and what you learn from your past experiences? So, so there's really two experiences that that speak to me um, in terms of looking past what you what you see. So you don't you know you don't want to take things at face value. Uh, and as you had mentioned and I had mentioned, uh, had an opportunity to work for about five years in, a, in an alternative school um, with kids who who were there because they couldn't succeed in the, in the public school and. You know, at, at times, um, kids would be angry. They wouldn't show up for school for, you know, a period of time, kind of an unexplained absence. And um, you had to quickly get past the situation that was right in front of you and really start to come to understand why the situation was the way it was. You had to do a, a lot of listening and a lot of understanding. You couldn't take things personally um, because oftentimes, Kids come to school, um, or at least in this school, and they were angry at something, and they knew it was safe to be angry and kind of have an outburst at school uh, because they knew we weren't going to um, respond to them in a way that, that may be hurtful to them, for, for lack of a better word. The second experience and that really kind of helped me, I'd say, not take things or, or not take people at face value or for you know what you see is what you get is... Um, uh, my family, we did foster care for years before we, we came to Avangrove and um, had had a bunch of kids coming from different circumstances. They were all little kids, uh, but it was amazing to me um, just the kind of ways they would present themselves 
Uh, and when you knew and understood their backgrounds, you kind of knew and understood the way they were um, as people, how, how their environment affected them. And it helped me understand all people a lot better. We're really impacted by circumstances that are at times out of our control. And you have to have patience. You got to be a good listener. Um, and you need to be consistent, you know, when, when working with people, all people. Do you have any stories from from the alternative school or from the foster care that you feel really taught you a lot about maybe how to carry yourself or put something in perspective for you? Um, probably, probably I learned most from, from foster care. And uh, I guess what, what you learned is um, you're not always going to get what, what you think you deserve from a situation. You could put your, your time and effort into it. And um, the outcome isn't exactly maybe, maybe the way you want it to go. Um, but what's way more important are the seeds that you're planting for the future. Um, you know, you and I are having a conversation here and, um, you know, you might walk away or I might walk away from here thinking, I'm not really sure Ben heard a single thing I said today, but you know, five, 10 years down the road, you might say, ah, you know what? I remember when Mr. Deshong said this, now I'm going to try this. Or I remember that this would be, Mr. Deshong said this would be something that would be frustrating to me and I might not get the, achieve the outcome that I wanted. Um, that, that made a huge impact on me and helped me be patient. I haven't always been a patient person. Um, I set a goal and I want to achieve it, you know, typically as quickly as possible. Um, but that's not how the world works. And if you're going to be a leader and work as part of a team, you need to know un- and understand and, and recognize that things aren't going to always work as quickly as you want them to. You talk about being a leader, and I think that everybody has the capacity to be a leader, much like everybody has the capacity to be a parent. It doesn't mean everybody should or everybody wants to be, but they have the capacity to be. So talk to me about why you've chose this path and why you've decided to be a leader and and take those roles that not a lot of people will go down because either the pursuit is is too heavily bearing, like there's there's so much work that goes along with it. You know, I, I think for a lot of people, when they're looking at their goal, all they see is the mountain. They don't see what's on top of that mountain. So for you, what are you telling yourself when you are trying to, you know, go through with your goals and your aspirations? Um, well, you know, first off, just take a step back. The, the reason um, I'm in education is both my parents were educators. Uh, my mom was a high school English teacher, and I actually ended up working at the school uh, well, I went to the school where she taught, but then ended up being principal of the school. She she had retired by then, though. And uh, my dad started his career in, in education as a uh, social studies teacher um, in, in this area, actually, at Pensbury High School. So um, both my parents have roots in education, which so it kind of was natural for, for me to, to head into that kind of a field, I guess. Um, but in terms of being a leader, I think it really comes down to the way you look at people and the way you look at situations. Um I'm an idealist. In other words, I think people have uh, everyone else's best interests at, at mind, and I, and I think they want to do the best they can in a situation. So to be someone who has the ability to work with a number of, of people coming from a number of different perspectives but move them towards um, a common goal or a common experience is a, is a pretty exciting opportunity, and it's nice to um, be in a role where, where, you can, where you can do those things. And it's imperative then and I think what makes a difference for, for people who have the capacity to be leaders versus being a leader is to, to be able to put aside your, the way you think it should, it should work or the way you think um, 
or what you think the outcome should be and kind of listen to what they have to say. Um, Talk to them about what their feelings are about um, a desired outcome and then help provide support to them and and put things into play so that they can be successful. Um, I worked for a guy at one point and he said, uh, you know, as a principal, your job is to block and tackle. Um, You need to remove obstacles so teachers can teach and kids can learn. And uh, I think that's kind of an oversimplification of what happens, but but that, that really is the job. I think you you, t- you touched on a lot of good things there, but what sacrifices do you have to go through personally when, when, you know, sometimes you're not reaping all the benefits because you're doing the dirty work, like you said, blocking and tackling for other people to, you know, achieve great things. And all you can do is sit back and smile. And yes, that's great. And you feel good. But sometimes it also feels good to have that recognition. So for you and making those sacrifices, what what are you telling yourself? You know, is that worth it for you? Um, yeah, you know what? I think the sacrifices are worth it, Ben, because I don't think of them as sacrifices. I think of it as as that's the responsibility when 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 one decides to to become or has aspirations to become the leader of of any organization. You you've got to put um in a lot of cases your your needs and wants on the back burner. Um, I, I always was kind of frustrated by by leaders. Uh, who express themselves using the pronoun I instead of the pronoun we. I think we should always be talking about we. Um, just because something happens here at Avangrove doesn't mean that I did it. It doesn't mean that you did it. It means that we did it. And um, I really think that has made the sacrifice easy when you look at it as a, as a victory for all of us um, versus just a victory for one of us or some of us. I think leadership is a, is a difficult word to define and for you what really is leadership because for me if i'm team captain or something like that it's not going to somebody and calling them an idiot because i might be able to perform better than them it may be all right man come on you got it next time and finding a balance between being a dictator and being a friend so where do you find that balance and how do you find that balance um it's a really good question i think uh well, first of all, I feel like you have to have a common purpose. And one thing that, that we've established as our common purpose, at least among the faculty and staff here at school, is our job is to create the best conditions for learning. And when you think about that, you're, you're learning not just in the classroom. You're learning uh, in the band room. You're learning on the athletic field. Uh, you're, you're learning everywhere at, at school, particularly in high school when, when you're involved in, in activities and, and those kind of things. Now, I think the most important word um, really in education but especially also in leadership is is the idea of relationships or the word relationships Um, and when you get to know someone and get to understand them and uh, understand kind of what makes them tick it's a lot easier to put them in situations to help them to be successful and that i think that's that's the key balance is putting people um, preparing them and then putting them in positions where they where they can be successful Really, our job here at Avangrove High School is to prepare you guys for the opportunities that you want to pursue after high school. And they're going to look different for all, you know, 434 graduates in in the class of 2018. But if we can prepare you for the opportunities that you want to take advantage of next year, 10 years from now, 25 years from now, um, and put you in those positions to be successful, we'll have done our job. Well, I think it's really difficult when you're dealing with a bunch of different types of people 
to give them one piece of information and hopefully they all take that with the same you know the same value and you're you could be dealing with somebody as simple as being extroverted versus introverted and you're trying to talk to them and even when you're talking to the other staff members and you're having a meeting and you know that one teacher responds really well to aggression and you being like we got to get this done let's go and one teacher can respond really well to look here's our outlook we want to go step by step it's a process you know what i mean so what are you saying to them that gets everybody motivated? Because it's hard to sit down with everyone and give them one piece of information. Right. Um, you're exactly right, Ben. You, you can't uh, go. We have almost 120 faculty members here. Uh, so you, you can't go. I couldn't sit down with, with all 120 one-on-one and give a message. So one, I think the first thing you need to do is establish a common purpose. Um, for example, if we think about our athletic teams, uh, the beginning of the season, you might have sat down with Coach Whitcraft, and he said, hey, our goal, our first goal is to win Chessmonts. Our second goal is, win, is to win the district, and our third goal is to win the state. All right, So you, you develop a common understanding first as to, as to what your goal is. I relate back to what I said earlier about creating the best conditions for learning. That, that's our common understanding, our common goal here at Avangrove. So then I need to communicate in general around that. Hey, and I, we typically start all our faculty meetings with a reminder of what our common purpose is um, because that kind of sets things into motion. And then um, I can provide a message or others can provide messages that, that help move us towards that. Um, and then if necessary, I'll follow up. I'll follow up with people um, that, that may need some additional clarification or may need to hear the, hear the message a little bit differently. However, ideally, I'll have created the kind of relationships with them where they'll come to me and they'll say, okay, I'm not seeing how this is gonna work for me. Um, these are some th- some questions or concerns I have. Can we talk about it? Uh, I talk to teachers all the time about uh, the worst conversation we have is the one we don't have. I'd much rather have a challenging conversation than someone have a question about something and not get an answer to it. Because when we have qu- questions and we don't have answers, uh, we tend to make up our own answers. And that usually doesn't work out very well. I think you're a different type of leader because not many can find such a good balance to where they have that vulnerability and are able to say, look, I know I'm not perfect, but I want you to come to me and tell me how I can get better. Most of the time, ego can get in the way. Where it's like, look, I worked my butt off to get where I am right now, and you're going to listen to me. So what do you tell yourself you know, in that regard? And, and have you had somebody who's really taught you the tricks of the trade about, look, as much as you want to think that you're the best, you're a student here too? Yeah, I, I liked where you ended there. Um, I really do see myself as a student too, and and my job, um, even though I've been in education for you know, like I said, around twenty five years, is to continue to learn all the time. Um, whether it's it's reading a book, uh, reading something that I that I find on Twitter, um, I, I need to be constantly learning and, and evolving. Um, you know, as soon as you think you know it all, you're you're making a huge mistake. You'll you'll never get to that point, and ideally. I don't think any of us will ever get to that point in our lives um, where we where we actually do know it all. I, I make mistakes all the time. I think it's it's key for any of us, whether we're a leader or not, um, to to use your resources to learn. Hey, this is my strength, but I know this isn't my strength. I'm I'm not a very detail oriented person, and I work with people who are detail oriented. So whenever I have something um, that I know needs details, I'll make sure to either a involve them at the very beginning or b. Once I have what I think is a good plan, I, I share that plan with them and they can shoot holes in it. 
So I want to ask you, because a lot of good leaders have certain things they do. So I want to ask you what things you do in your free time that allow you to be open-minded with people, that allow you to strive for greatness. That can be a morning routine. That can be a hobby. You know, you, you go hiking with your wife. You go out. You know, what do you do in the mornings that sets you up for success during the day? Are there certain things that you do? Um, yeah, I'm a really routine-oriented person. And, um, you know, I also recognize as I work with a whole bunch of different people that I've got to make sure I'm not carrying any undue burdens or stressors. And I'm essentially then sharing those with, with those people. So uh, typically every morning I get up and I uh, take the dog on a long walk. And then I exercise. Um, and then I do a little bit of reading. And here I am at school. I get to school by about 6.45, 6.40 in the morning. And I'm here typically till 5. And sometimes if there's stuff going on at night, I come back. Um, but, but for me, I need to make sure I spend time with other people away from school and, and not think about school. I need to make sure I, I exercise cause that, uh, that, that helps me kind of get a little bit of an edge off and, um, I need to make sure I read different things. I love reading about sports. Um, I love reading about coaches and, and athletes and, and, and different things about their, their biographies and their backgrounds. And, um, I need to have that balance so I can, can focus in on school when I'm at school. Well, talk to me about the other things you read because you you obviously learn a certain amount of things from athletes and they very and they are very admirable. But do you read any self help that that you know that, that really gets your mind churning in the morning? Um, I'm not so much into into self help. I may mean, used to be, but but now I love reading again biographies. Um, I love reading about uh, like I said, coaches particularly. I, I love basketball, um, so I read a lot of of basketball. Uh, or information on basketball coaches. I just read a, a really interesting book about um, a guy by the name of Jason Williams who does um, play-by-play and announcing for ESPN in basketball, uh, was National Player of the Year at Duke, uh, was drafted by the Chicago Bulls, had his whole life in front of him, um, bought a high-powered motorcycle, jumped on it, wrecked it, and never could play basketball again. Um, and how he kind of you know, hit, hit bottom in, in rehabbing from that experience but then what, what, he, what he told himself and how he surrounded himself with winners um, to get him back to the point where he, he reinvented himself based on the, on the strengths that, that he still possessed. So in the morning, you get up. What time are you waking up in the morning? Uh, I get up at 4. What mental edge does that give you when a lot of the world is sleeping around you and you're up and your brain's already going and you're not on your phone you're taking your dog for a walk and you know I, I think for me whenever I get up early to go swimming at, at 4 30 I have this edge for the rest of the day like I, I'm not going to verbalize it but I feel powerful because I got up before you and I feel like you know what I mean like I'm exercising and I'm getting a head start there's 24 hours in a day and I'm getting a head start you know what I mean right I well for me it's a couple things one um I I like quiet because obviously if I work at a school with 1,750 1, high school kids, it's not going to be quiet, um, let alone what the, about 150 extra adults bring, bring to the table. So uh, first off, I like the quiet. Second, um, in terms of exercising, I love to compete. I'm a very competitive person, so it's a, an opportunity for me to kind of compete with myself. And um, so, yeah, there's that edge to it. Uh, but, but lately, the most, uh, the most interesting thing about my mornings has been there's tons of skunks in my neighborhood right now. So I'm, I'm kind of playing watchdog uh, for my own dog against the skunks. But it does. It gives me an edge. 
and it gives me some quiet time as well. Yeah, I've had my dog get sprayed by a skunk before, and it takes forever. <laughs> and if you don't realize it and they come back in the house, then your house stinks. And yeah. That's a whole mess. But what um, can go wrong? Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, you come into school, and a lot of things can happen. And, it, and it's a lot different than the workplace sometimes because you have problems with kids, and they're still growing, and you have to realize that. But you can have problems with teachers. You can have problems with, you know, yourself if you're not feeling great. Do you put on a mask if something's going on or you're too stressed yourself? Or, you know, you know, how do you still give your best at school when something is going on at home or something you just had a really long day? Well, you know, I am essentially by coming into education, no matter what my role in education might be, I've made a commitment that um, I'm going to work with kids and create conditions for them that allow them to be successful, no matter what the challenge might be. And, and there are going to be situations that are extremely stressful that come with all that. Um, but I also feel um, I made a commitment then by being a leader to not let people know if, if I'm stressed out and worried about things. Because if I'm stressed out and worried about things, then, oh, my goodness, maybe they're going to be more stressed out and worried about things. And they already have to be. Everyone's job here is really challenging. It's challenging to be a high school student. It's challenging to be a teacher. It's, cha- it's challenging to be a, a classroom assistant, all those kind of things. So I feel like I need to be as, as calm and cool as I possibly can be, no matter what the stressful situation is, because it does help people slow down and think a little bit. It's very easy when things are stressful to, to lead with emotion, and you really need to be able to separate the, the facts from the emotion. And uh, by kind of trying to, to be as level-headed, at least on the outside, as I possibly can be, I think it's the best way to achieve that for people. How long did it take you to learn that, or who taught you that? Um, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's kind of one thing that has come to me somewhat naturally to not freak out about those kind of things. Um, and I've, I've also had, uh, a few really good mentors, um, who gave the example of, Hey, when I'm going to be out in front of people, whether that's in the hallways or whatever, um, I'm, I'm going to be as, as warm, welcoming and positive as I possibly can be. Cause that just helps all of us. Sometimes I have to go, you know, behind closed door and have a, a very serious conversation with someone to, to help myself through a situation to make a better decision. But when that door opens to walk out, um, I got to be back to that calm, calm and collected person. Um, I worked with uh, when I was a counselor in, in state college, I worked with a principal who uh, expressed himself that way. He was very steady. His personality was the same day after day. And uh, I think it was really helpful to me to have a leader who is able to let you feel safe. That's kind of, it kind of radiates off of that person. I know whenever I see you in the hallway, it's like, hey Ben, how you doing? It's kind of like, I feel safe here. And and you know that your leader would do something that they're gonna ask you to do. You know, you'd go and pick up trash off the hallway floor because, or and, and I would do it too because I know you would do it. You know, you wouldn't ask me to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. And I think that's difficult for a lot of leaders to understand because we see people get into positions of power and then give their workers all the dirty work. And I think good leaders don't do that. But I want to ask you how you maintain a good relationship with your coworkers because there can be an imbalance of power in some sense because you are the principal and there's an immediate level of respect when you walk into a room. But how do you keep a solid relationship? Because you didn't mention relationships earlier. So um, for me, again, it's, it's we have a common purpose, and we need, we need to create the best conditions for learning. 
and I feel, um, I really do feel that, that people come here every day to do their best. It might look different from day to day, but they really do come here to look to, um, not to, well, to look their best too, but, but to do their best. And um, by, by providing them, number one, with a, with a kind of environment where they're treated as a professional, I think is huge. Um, every year, uh, really, not just at Avangrove, but um, when, when I was the high school principal in State College, I, I told the teachers that I wanted them to do three things every year. The first is, is to take risks. Um, because oftentimes, whether we're teachers or we're students, we don't want to take a risk and, and risk the possibility of failing or not being successful because um, that's not what society tells us to do. However, you know, I, I know I learn the most when I screw up the most. Um, those tend to be the best learning experiences. So number one, I challenge everyone to take a risk. Number two, I, I challenge everyone to be a first follower. And there's a really cool YouTube video um, about uh, it's called Leadership Lessons from the Dancing Guy. And the concept of a first follower is um, someone's going to start something, but a movement isn't started until someone joins in with them. And the more people that join in, the stronger the movement. Well, if we want to make a movement to, you know, create the best conditions for learning or, you know, um, to, to develop a, a team that's going to win a district championship or a chessmon championship or whatever, we need people to join in and, and believe what, what someone else is doing. So I encourage teachers to be a first follower. So one, take a risk. Two, be a first follower. And then three, have fun. Um, not many people get to work with, with teenagers every day. So we're pretty lucky to, to come in and be able to do these kind of things. Um, I laugh every day, no matter how upset or stressful things might be. Because um, you guys crack me up on a daily basis. Sometimes you know you crack me up. Other times you don't know you crack me up. But um, so I extend that and kind of create that environment for teachers because we need to be able um, to do our best and we need to not be um, concerned about making mistakes. Talk to me about your risk taking, because you even mentioned yourself that that's a difficult concept for a lot of people. So talk to me what your mindset is going into risks and maybe an example of a time you've taken a big risk that that reaped big results. So um, I, I do kind of have an issue when someone tells me that something can't be done because I like to think that, you know, between the power that's, that's here amongst all of us, we can do pretty much whatever we want. And um, so I try to model for, for our teachers just by um, using different types of technology during our meetings um, and using different things to, to grab their attention. Like I use GIFs all the time. Uh, whether it's through email or at our faculty meetings, just to kind of use it as a hook to to get people excited about the topics that we're that we're going to um, that we're going to be talking about that day or, or concepts that are important for our whole school year. So I, I think that's that's really really important. Um, and what another risk I try to take with them is to to share maybe a quote or a series of quotes that really challenge our thinking. Um, schools haven't changed a lot in the last thirty, really the last fifty years. Technology's changed, but schools really haven't changed very much. So how can we, um, by, by asking them to answer questions that might challenge the way we're doing things or challenge the way I'm doing things, um, is a way to take a risk to say, hey, I'm open to looking at different ways of doing things. If we want to do things better, we're going to have to change the way we're doing things. And that might mean I'm going to have to change or let go of something that I really hold on to dearly. So those are all examples of taking risks. I think that's a very unique way to carry that out and, and something that obviously works because... For me, I've seen a, a definite culture change, and, and it's it's slow, but it's it's being sustained, and it's really made our school a safe place. But I want to talk about 
how you keep our teachers motivated. And it's an interesting thing because you think about, okay, some of these teachers are older than me. They have more experience. Some are younger. They may be smarter and less experienced. But everybody's here for nine months. Everybody gets the same benefits and not all get the same pay, but in the end, you, you know, you can work towards the same pay. If you, you know, there's a level, like you, you continue to rise and you have that, that break during the summer. But all teachers deal with um, things that make them not as motivated. Maybe they have a bad class. Maybe they continuously aren't performing like they want to. Maybe they don't have the nicest room or something like that. So how do you continue to keep teachers motivated throughout the year? So, um, you know, first off, I'll go back to something, something you said. I, I can guarantee you most of the teachers are smarter than me. So we don't have to worry about that, that piece. I know that going in. It's, um, teaching is really, really challenging. So one of the things that was kind of cool for me growing up, especially with my mom being a teacher the whole time um, I was growing up, I, I kind of got to maybe understand what, what teachers are like um, at home. But I think in, in terms of motivating them, um, you know, I've heard this said before and I've said it myself. I, I think teaching is the most important job on the planet. We don't have an opportunity to impact, you know, we have an opportunity as teachers to impact every single kid in the United States, really. Every kid in the United States has a teacher in one shape or form or another. So just knowing that it's the most important job of the planet on the planet is, is motivating in its own right. And then I think it's always important to, to point out the little victories because I might have a class that's especially challenging. And, you know, typically teachers were really, really good at school. So they were really, really good at knowing um, how to find answers, how to get information, how to do well on tests. And it can be hard when someone you're working with doesn't have the same level of motivation or commitment or success that, that you might be achieving. So there's victories that are achieved in different ways. Again, we're all different people. And in school, we only measure certain things. We only measure how good you are at science, social studies, math, English, you know, maybe a world language, physical education, those kind of things. And as people, we have a lot more characteristics and skills and strengths. So just seeing the difference a teacher may have made in a single student or in a group of students in some other way that may not be reflected on a report card or a test score is, is important too. I think it's really important for me to watch how students are growing and progressing throughout the year that may not be measured um, by a test score and, and to point that out and share that with teachers. And another thing we do at our meetings, and we have meetings twice a month, is we celebrate those victories. So they could be victories that teachers had inside of school. They could be victories that teachers had outside of school. Uh, we think it's important to bring that to, a, to the forefront and celebrate that kind of stuff because um, you're not going to go undefeated when you're, when you're teaching. Uh, so it's important to know that not only are your victories acknowledged, but they're celebrated. Yeah, I think small victories mean a lot, but what goes hand in hand with that is setting goals. And I want to know, you know, it's, it's different to set goals in a school because it's not about money as much. You know, there's definitely a financial aspect, but it's about teaching. Uh, that's, the, that's the main focus. So I want to ask you when you're in those meetings or when you're just sitting with the team of administrators, who are making certain schedules or something like that, how do you go about goal setting? So, um, again, it all comes back to that, number one, that common purpose. And our common purpose is, you know, what creates the best conditions for learning. So you gave an example of, uh, um, you know, administrators sitting around um, assigning duties, essentially, to teachers or something something close to that. That's what came to my mind, Ben, when you were talking. And, um, you know, we, we have teachers in the morning that, that have, 
have different duties. And um, we challenge ourselves by saying, is that really, by having those teachers do those things, is that really going to create the best conditions for learning? Um, that, that's usually the lens by which we, we check on everything. Um, because if we're not doing those things, it's real easy to be caught up in other goals. The state gives us goals. They say, hey, your kids need to, need to achieve certain test scores. And if, if they don't achieve those test scores, then they're not going to graduate. And um, so, so we have those goals kind of pushed on us, um, which, you know, we, we have different opinions as to whether that's right or fair or whatever. But that's, it is what it is. That's out of our control. We can't control that. So, again, how can we go back and create the best conditions for learning? And I think um, creating a culture at Avangrove um, that embraces those conditions for learning, uh, that embrace um, the, the, the strong idea of the student voice, and um, that also embraces the, the fact that just because we're doing things a certain way doesn't mean it's the best way to do it. And we may need to really we might need to stretch ourselves to change that. Um, those are the kind of big, big idea goals that we talk about that ideally then filter their way down to improve achievement by kids. You talked about stretching yourselves. How open minded do you have to be as a leader to be the best, really? So um, a couple of years ago, I heard about this this concept between, and you've probably heard of it too, uh, a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. A fixed mindset means that there's a lot of things you can't control. Um, you know, you, you might believe that that kid that walks into your classroom um, just has no ability to learn trig and pre-calc, for example. Um, fortunately, I know our trig and pre-calc teachers here don't think that way. But uh, the, the idea of a growth mindset is the idea that, that people can change. People can learn things. They can. Um, everyone has the, the capability to learn and to change and to grow. So really, it's fostering that growth mindset is is the most important um, way for us to stretch ourselves. Um, number one, to think that we're never done learning. Number two, to think we've never reached that place where we we know it all. And then third, um, to believe uh, in the value of other people. There's a lot of things that. I would that I try to live by to, you know, being a leader of, of your own personal self. You know, you can't be a leader to others until you're a leader of yourself and a leader of your own actions. And for you, okay, I'm a leader of myself. I get up at 4 a.m., I go exercise, I walk the dog, I read, and then I'm here and I'm leading others. But first you led yourself. You told yourself, okay, I'm not just some other teacher. I'm not just another principal. I'm going to be a leader and I want to make people notice change. So I think a lot has to go, you know, you, you talk about competition and as friendly as a competition gets, you want to be the best. And that's for everybody. As much as you say, no, it's a, we're all in this together, right? We are all in this together, but you want to be a, a, the best because that's, that's like the goal. That's what we've always wanted as it's human nature. So how do you try and stay humble but competitive while on this pursuit of excellence at Avangrove. So um, I think I think it's easy to be humble again because the people around you keep you humble and um, recognizing that the different strengths, the different values, the different personality characteristics of all the people that, that come to Avangrove High School every day really help, helps keep you humble. Um, yet at the same time, uh, and I, I hope. Um, I express this like to our administrative team, the other assistant principals and, and the athletic director, that, um, that, that our goal is, is to be the best. We want um, every student's experience at Avangrove to be better than any experience they would have at Unionville, Kennett, 
name them bishop shanahan i want to beat all of them but uh <laughs> um but but that's really what it comes down to is making sure in terms of being competitive that we provide the best experience for every kid at Avon grove i want to talk about networking because i don't think you'd be able to be here today in, in a in a job like being the principal without networking so what is the diversity measure of your network in other words, how do I how do I measure how well, uh, how diverse is it? Are you talking to somebody who's homeless and somebody who's rich? Like that, like that's an extreme example. But right, that's a- right. Um, so, in, in terms of, of here at school, really, it's, it's extremely diverse because we all play a part in what happens at Avongrove. And when I say all, we all, I mean every single person that comes in here in in a different way. Um, the person that serves you your lunch plays a part in in creating certain conditions here at Avongrove. Um, we have wonderful custodians that, that work so hard to, to set things up here. And it's important as a leader to, to get their input on things, get their, get their thoughts, get their perspectives, because they see things um, that I would never see. They see things in a way um, or through a lens or a filter that, that I don't even have in a lot of cases. So... At school, I think my network has to be as diverse as every individual that, that comes into Avongrove High School. Um, and then I have to be careful when I'm outside of school, uh, when I seek mentors, whether I seek them electronically or in person, for example, um, that I, I see a, a diverse um, number of backgrounds as well. I might reach out to other principals or try to learn from other principals um, maybe from a rural school or from an extremely urban environment, which is different than the environment we have here at Avongrove. Um, and a lot of cases, they've worked really, really hard to do things in their school that were really hard to do, and they figured out ways to do it. So uh, it's extremely important inside the school and outside of the school to be as diverse as possible. And that would go for, for a leader or anyone pursuing anything. Do you have an example or a story of a time when you've had to really challenge yourself mentally to take advice from somebody who doesn't seem like they could offer you any meaningful advice? And I know, and I know it could be a difficult question, but you know, were you walking through Philadelphia one time and you saw somebody homeless? Or were you walking through school one time and you saw a freshman say something and, and you really had to ponder that and be like, wow, you know, I, I never thought of it that way. You know, actually, um, I think that's something that's become easier over time. But when I was first right out of grad school in my first position, um, I, I worked in this rural school district in the middle of Pennsylvania. And um, the, the guy that was assigned to be my mentor had retired, but he had come back to kind of do some work for the school. And and um, he he was constantly giving me, giving me advice. Hey, whenever the door closes at the end of the day, you need to leave your thoughts here. Don't take them with you. Um, all kind of things. And I'll be honest with you, I was, you know, in my 20s, I thought I knew it all. And what could this guy possibly be telling me? And over time, and unfortunately, it wasn't when I was right in front of him, but over time, over the next several years, and it still happens to this day, I'd be like, oh man, I remember when Al told me this was going to happen. And that voice of experience is huge. So someone might not have um, the, the education that you think they should have. They might not have the job status you think they should have. They might not drive the car you think they should drive. But when people have experience, they've learned things. There's no better teacher than experience. And it was hard for me to listen to him at first, but I've come to know and understand that people have been here a lot longer than me 
know a lot more than I know. And it's really important to listen to them. For you, <clears throat> first off, do you need to go at some point? Because we can cut. About five minutes. Okay. That'd okay. Um, so I want to ask you one final question. And it's an interesting one because it's loaded. But I want to ask you any piece of information or advice, whether that is one word, a sentence, a paragraph, whatever you want, about what makes a good leader. Because it's up to your interpretation of what a a leader is and what good means. So there's so many different definitions. But to you, what really makes a good leader? Um, You know, I talked about um, experience and learning over time. And one of the things I've learned over time is if if I'm using my mouth and not my ears, um, I'm missing a, a big part of things. Uh, you know, you've, you've probably heard the expression, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Um, I think leaders are listeners uh, because when you're a listener, number one, you, you, you come to, to do your best to understand the people and the circumstances um, that are around you. Uh, that, that's really huge. But then also part of being a good listener is the ability to ask good questions because as you take in information, whether that's you know actually literal information or just being in an environment, um, you should then be able to formulate good questions that will uh, increase your understanding of that situation. So for me, um, the phrase or the sentence "leaders are listeners" is is really important because so many times I've seen a leader come in and and just try to do things their own way without understanding the people and the circumstances. Uh, in which they are leading. And until you have that understanding, you're going to expend a lot of energy. And maybe you will achieve some success, um, but it's going to be short term. And as soon as you leave, the next person is going to come in and it's going to look entirely different because the legacy that you left was not sustainable. Um, so if you're a, a good listener, you're going to be a good leader and you're going to provide um, a sustainable setting where people are going to be able to benefit uh, for, for many years. Thank you so much. I think that's extremely valuable information and i want to thank you for taking time out of your out of your schedule i know it's a busy time here at the end of the year but i think it really does make an impact not only for me but for students and anybody listening about you know some some something they can adopt into their own lifestyle to make them a better leader so thank you very much thank you ben it was great to talk to you yeah so if anybody has an idea a life lesson routine story that they would like to share please email me at jamespodcast at yahoo.com and until next time thank you